the reality is there's, there's spiritual disciplines and discipline breeds discipline. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to go to the gym. If you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to eat well. If you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to, to get enough sleep, right? The same thing is true of our walk with Jesus. If we want mm-hmm. to really follow Jesus, then we have to find the right disciplines in our life mm-hmm. that say, hey, how, how can I start to really live like this? How can I put some of that old stuff behind mm-hmm. me? Hey everyone, welcome on to The Walk Podcast. This is a place where we can answer honest questions, have candid conversations, talk about hard issues, and walk alongside one another as we explore how spirituality fits into real life. I'm your host, Gil Shelsby, and today we are talking to Jared Fox. Jared is a dear friend of mine, and many have known him from his role at Mountain Christian Church. Jared has been around mountains since 2012 and is here today to help us walk through the question, how do I become a follower of Jesus? You know, it's one thing to say that you are maybe religious or maybe that you're a Christian, but it is a completely different thing to say, I wanna become someone who actually follows Jesus in my daily life. I really appreciated how real and honest this conversation was. Jared serves as the director of campuses as well as the Mountain Road campus pastor. Hailing all the way from Louisville, Kentucky, Jared is happily married to his wife, Sarah. Together they are blessed with three beautiful children. He's someone who's not only very knowledgeable on these topics, but he lives a life that honestly seeks to live like Jesus. So whether you have just started your walk with Jesus or you wouldn't call yourself a Christian at all, I hope this conversation can be clarifying, helpful, and practical as it was for me. Let's jump into our conversation with Jared. Well, hey friends, I am sitting across the table from the one and only Jared Fox. Oh, wow. That's quite the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) The one and only. The one and only. How you doing, Jared? There are actually multiple Jared Foxes in the world. Name one. A quick Google search. Name one, Jared. Work for me. How am I supposed to name one when I am one? Jared Fox. Yeah. Jared, it's good to have you on, man. Thanks for being willing to jump in this conversation. Glad to be here. Excited about it. I think it will be a fun question today, which is kind of what does it look like to become a follower of Jesus? Let me ask you this mm-hmm. before we even get into mm-hmm. the good stuff. Yep. All right. Take me back to like 10-year-old Jared Fox. All right. Mm-hmm. Looking out on life. Mm-hmm. Who did you want to become? What's like a what was it, what was your dream job as a kid? Oh, this is this is a softball. I you might you might know this, Gil, because you were in student ministry with me for a mm-hmm. long, long time, and I would often I think reference back to young Jared and how I was going to be an airline pilot. Love it. Like I was. I don't know if you know this, but if we are on a plane together and something, God forbid, happens to the pilot, I'm your best shot. At landing that sucker because I've got 25 hours of private pilots lessons really? under my belt. I was, I had applied to St. Louis University. I was in, I was going, I was going to be a pilot until that, that day when I decided to go into ministry instead. <laughs> my mom was thrilled because she had spent a ton of money on <laughs> getting me trained up to be a pilot. That is not a cheap venture. Yeah. And then one day I had to break the news to her. Hey, ma, not, not going to do that. Yeah, I'm good. Sorry about all your, she was happy. She likes Jesus and the church. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, she was happy for me, but it, it took her a minute. Hmm. She had to deal yeah. with all that money she spent. So that was 10 year old me. I was, I, I was looking at being a pilot and then a couple years later started flying planes. So you think if something like if we were on a plane together and something mm-hmm. happened, I got you with or without radio instruction, you could land a plane. 
I got you. <laughs> Listen, if we're on a Cessna, I definitely got you. A little bitty plane. If we're in a big sure. plane, they land themselves anyways. Yeah. Don't tell anybody I else know. I said that. I don't know if that's true. That's we'll true. fact check that. That's not true. After yeah. the show. So. Yep. Well, good. Yeah, many of you guys know Jerry's familiar voice to you, probably just from being around our mountain community. But if you don't know Jared, he is the director of campuses at Mountain, somewhat of the, the pilot of our community, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. All right. Um, all right. You can edit that out. All right. Well, let's just get into it. I think this is a this will be a fun conversation. What does it look like to become a follower of Jesus, I don't think we phrase this question this way all the time. We think mm-hmm. of like religion or faith as this thing maybe that we get in a room with people in church and we sort of believe the same thing in our mm-hmm. heads often. But what I love about this question, it's a little bit different. It's like it may be somewhat of a, a way of life that's different from how we would mm-hmm. typically live our lives. So maybe just to start, yeah, what does it mean to like become a follower of Jesus? Yeah, you know, I think one of the things people say often is, have you accepted Jesus, right? Mm. And that's interesting because oftentimes people say, have you accepted Jesus into your life? They they forget about the word follow. Mm-hmm. And I think that word is so important because it is, I mean, to follow somebody, it's trajectory setting. It's, it changes the direction you're going. And I think that's so key when we talk about being a follower of Jesus. Sometimes people be like, Dude, are, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. What, is, what does that mean? Well, it means that you are following Jesus. You are a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. And when we don't dig into the details of that word, I think sometimes it can lead us to, to be more apathetic in what it means. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the best way to describe it is someone who is, is truly repented. And mm-hmm. the word repent even carries with it all of this, like, well, what does that really mean? It sounds mm-hmm. like a very churchy word. Yeah. It's, it feels heavy. Like, what is... Repent, like, what, sinner. Re- yeah. Yeah. Like, don't go to hell. Repent yeah. is how it feels. Uh-huh. Uh, when in actuality, it's the best way I think to describe repentance. It's a reorienting. Mm. It's like turn yourself around. At one point, you were walking in a direction that wasn't towards the Lord. And when you're introduced to Jesus and you realize his goodness and his grace and you accept him into your life, it is a reorienting. It's like turning mm. uh, 180 degrees, going the opposite direction. And it changes the way you think about your life, right? And Jesus tells us all throughout Scripture in John 14, like, no one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. And so to become a follower of Jesus means first, like, giving your gaze to Jesus. It's, it's letting him be the focal point of your life. It's to reorient. Once I was following whatever it is I wanted, and now I've turned around, and I can see Jesus, and the rest of my life is pursuing him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like putting it that way. It's to put my gaze on Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's repentance and knowing that in that God's grace is good and it's sufficient and it's mm-hmm. enough. And when you, when you enter into relationship with Jesus, and that word relationship is huge mm-hmm. uh, because that's what Jesus's ministry was relational. Jesus in himself is relational. It's a connectedness with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And you look at the way Jesus lived his life. He lived it with people. Mm-hmm. not absent from them. No, he was surrounded by his close crew, you know, and they did life together. And so mm-hmm. we talk about following Jesus. I think it's to realize I'm, I'm experiencing the goodness of God mm-hmm. and the grace of Jesus, knowing that this man died for me and then resurrected from the grave, which mm-hmm. we have a whole lot there to dig into. What sure. does it mean that he died for me? And like, who cares if he rose from the dead, sure. right? Like we, we, we'll get into all that, but it is to say, I'm understanding, comprehending the 
bigness of the grace of God that this person was willing to stand in the place for me and give mm -hmm. his life for me and then to give my focus, my gaze towards him for the rest of my life. It's, mm -hmm. it's a new starting point. That's the reason like Romans mm -hmm. describes baptism as being buried to your mm -hmm. life and resurrected to new. It's a new start, putting my gaze on Jesus. It's the reason in 2 Corinthians, we're told that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a fresh start. You get to start over mm -hmm. again. And this life is now lived differently because you, you have your gaze set on Jesus. And what I've learned, I think what you've learned, Gil, mm -hmm. what I hope we all learn, is the best way to live this life is one where we're just pursuing Christ-likeness in our life. Mm -hmm. And so at its, I don't know, it's not very simple. There's a lot there. Sure. But at its simplest... It's to realize the gift of God, the grace that he's given us to accept Jesus into our life and to realize that now he wants to transform our life to be lived like him and for him. And that's where the best life is found. Mm -hmm. And so it's to, to turn around. Our old life is left behind and now we pursue him mm -hmm. with all of who we are. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot there to unpack, sure. right? But to follow Jesus is different than just to say, hey, I got baptized and now I'm getting to heaven. Mm-hmm. That's the way a lot of people look at faith. Sure. Uh, let me do the thing I need to do to check the box to get my ticket punched. And I'm That's going to get me to the place where I'm done living this life however I want to. I'm going to go to the good place, not the bad place. Mm -hmm. Do you ever see that show? The good place. The good place. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's the theology that a lot of people yeah. carry. That show was popular for a reason. Uh-huh. And the reality is it's, that's how a lot of people think about faith mm -hmm. when really the good place can be right now. Mm. And we're not punching our ticket to salvation that we will get to one day. We're, we're punching our ticket when we're baptized to salvation that we start to experience now mm -hmm. and a transformation within us that leads us to, to like living out salvation in mm -hmm. this world, like bringing heaven to earth, mm -hmm. uh, not just waiting to get to heaven one day. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Say more about salvation. I think that's a word that, I don't know, when I think of salvation, like you said, a lot of us think about some sort of future heavenly world that we'll be sucked up into if we, you know, pray a, a prayer rightly or something mm -hmm. like that. But the way you're describing it, I guess, is a little bit different, right? Salvation mm -hmm. is maybe more of a, a process or something like that. Yeah. So salvation is, so when we, when we enter into relationship with Jesus, we make him Lord of our life. Mm. What we're saying is, yeah, we, we know that when we accept Jesus in our life, we have this new connection with the heavenly realm through mm. the Holy Spirit, which Jesus imparts to us, right? Like our body carries with, within it the Holy Spirit. Like God is in us. He lives within us. Like that's an important thing for mm. us to realize is our bodies are a temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. And scripture talks about how we are to work out our salvation. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that you have to work to earn salvation mm. one day that you'll get into heaven? Mm. No, that's not what it means. Through Jesus, you are justified. You are made right in his eyes. It is just as if you've never sinned, mm. right? And that grace is given to you. And Jesus takes on your sin. And then he says, now start to work out your salvation. We have hope and a promise and confidence in what's to come, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and we will be in Jesus' presence, and everything will be good and right and perfect. Mm -hmm. And we look forward to that. But working out our salvation means understanding that we have the opportunity to become more like Christ in this life, mm -hmm. that we get to bring salvation to this world, that we've experienced the goodness of Jesus. And so now when we work out our salvation, it's us saying, like, how can we best be 
the ambassadors of Christ that are going to help the rest of the world to experience heaven on earth, mm-hmm. to bring salvation here. Mm-hmm. And that is a the beauty of this for me. So I'm I'm an achiever. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, sure. You familiar with the Enneagram? Yeah, of course. Of course you are. I'm a three on the Enneagram, high achiever, get things done. Yeah. So when I follow Jesus, I keep thinking, well, how do I how do I get this thing done? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how do I get there? How do I win? I, I I've already won yeah. because of Jesus. Yeah. And so when I screw up tomorrow, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you know this about me, I'm a royal <laughs> screw up. Okay. <laughs> when I screw up tomorrow. I know Mm -hmm. that I've still already won Mm -hmm. because Jesus won. Mm -hmm. And so my job each day is just to take the next step of obedience, of trying to be like Jesus and living in the beautiful reality that I am working every single day to understand what it means to be a person who is saved. Mm -hmm. And that is an interesting place to live because you live with the burden of overcoming sin you live with the burden of trying to outdo yourself in mm-hmm. good and caring about other people. You live with the burden of trying to be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then when you come up short, you live with the peace yeah. of knowing that Jesus is enough and he loves me just as I am. Yeah. But every day I try to outdo myself in good. You know, it's like Paul in Philippians talks about not that, I mean, Paul is like a big deal in the Bible. If you don't know who Paul is, mm-hmm. wrote a lot of the New Testament baller status. Okay. This guy is awesome. Like he experiences Jesus and his whole life has changed. Yet Paul constantly in his writings and Philippians and Romans keeps saying like, I have so far to go. Mm -hmm. I have so far to go. Not, not that I've already obtained all of this, but I will press on, Mm. take hold of that, which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Or man, I keep doing the things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I want to do. What a wretched man am I? Thanks Mm. be to God who rescues me through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is this beautiful tension we live in of realizing it's the Ephesians 2 stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not by what I can do, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's by what I can do that I get into heaven, that I experience salvation, then what do I make it about? Mm-hmm. I make it about me. I think I'm pretty awesome. Look at all the good stuff I've done. Mm-hmm. When it's not about me, when it's about Jesus and I realize his goodness and his grace, then my posture is set correctly and I can start to experience the goodness of salvation in this life. Mm-hmm. Salvation brings with it humility and meekness mm-hmm. and a, a desire to serve others mm-hmm. and make more of Jesus in this life and less of myself. It's mm-hmm. the, the he must increase, I must decrease, right? Mm-hmm. Like working out our salvation as a way of saying what are the easy, tangible, and sometimes really difficult and substantial ways that I can bring heaven to earth, mm-hmm. that I can showcase the beauty and the glory of Jesus mm-hmm. every single day. Mm-hmm. And even when I say that, I start to think, well, what, what have I done today? Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as a word of blessing, right? I mean, it's as simple as when I'm at Dunkin' Donut, I'm a Dunkin' guy, not nice. a Starbucks guy, okay? Nice. I don't like burned coffee, <laughs> all right? I like it watered down. They don't burn the coffee. It's Come terrible, on. Okay. I, when Whatever. I go to Dunkin' and I get my coffee uh-huh. and I interact with that person who's handing me my cup of coffee, who is a chosen, precious, beautiful child of God, mm. well, how, how do I care about them in that moment? Well, it's a little way for me to bless them with a word of, hey, thanks so much for this, or noticing that they're having a bad day and mm-hmm. saying, hey, looks like you're having a rough day. I'm really sorry about that. And, and, and then sometimes being as bold as to say, anything I can pray for you. And it's mm-hmm. like saying like, how can I allow Jesus not just into my Sunday experiences yeah, or maybe when I read the Bible mm-hmm. or when I pray, when something bad is going on, you know, it's when a lot of us turn to yeah, God sure. in prayer. It's like, I'll, I'll, I follow Jesus when I need to. Mm-hmm. 
how can I allow Jesus just to become the the essence of my life mm-hmm. in every aspect? And that's when we start to experience not just the salvation that's to come, but the salvation right now. Mm-hmm. And in that, like there's just this beautiful peace that we experience. I met a guy Sunday. I'm going to tell you about him. Okay. He came over to me and he said, 20 years ago, this is an older dude. So 20 years ago for him was probably, I don't know, mid thirties or early forties. And so by older, I mean like 60 plus. Sure. Okay. Not like ancient. I don't want anybody getting mad at me about that. <laughs> and so he comes over and he said, Hey, I came to this church 20 years ago and I was living a life and I had, I had money and wealth. I could do whatever I wanted. And when I experienced the love of Jesus, I realized it wasn't just that I got to go to heaven one day. It's that my life would look different now. Mm. Like he's preaching to me here. Wow. It was good. And he said, that moment changed my life and it's been slow and steady and I've had to give up some stuff, mm. but all of it has been replaced with just immense joy mm-hmm. and who Jesus is. And my life is the best it could possibly be because of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And he went on to describe it a little bit more, some of what he gave up and some of what he's given himself to. But the punchline was... To be a follower of Jesus was to say, like, my life, all of it, not just the Sunday part, not just when I read my Bible, whatever, all of my life has changed and it's changed for the better, mm-hmm. but it's meant that the trajectory is different, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not me going and just building my kingdom. It's me saying, how can I build God's kingdom? Mm-hmm. And that's a really long answer to what does it mean to say, like, salvation can happen now? Mm-hmm. It's not just a future thing. It's what it's the sanctifying work that God is doing in us, right? Yeah. Sanct- sanctification is just this. Sure, it's this desire to allow God to continue to mold us, to shape us, to look like Him. Mm. Mm. Like He's constantly growing us to look more like Him when we allow, allow Him to. Yeah. And so I just I loved that, and I was so encouraged by it because He was this guy who's a living example of what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. I love that. Plenty of stories like that that we get to witness every week. You mentioned at the beginning of this, like following Jesus is it's turning your gaze in a certain direction. You're orienting your life somewhere and then it's experiencing a relationship with him. It's I just love what you just said. It's just, it's not as much of a, the spiritual heady thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it actually has real practical mm-hmm. implications for how you treat people at mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts or wherever, yeah. how you treat your family and how you treat your friends. Well, you, you said it's not the spiritual heady thing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so what, if I am the average person entering into the church, I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to follow Jesus. What might they think the steps are to be a follower of Jesus? Like, just mm-hmm. think about it. What, like, what is following Jesus not? Let's maybe phrase fa- sure. it that way. Because a lot of us will say that following Jesus is about what I know. Mm-hmm. Like I can quote Bible verses, upwards, backwards, left, right. You pick yeah. a verse, point to the Bible. I'll start quoting it. Yeah. Don't do that. I won't. <laughs> I will fail miserably. But a lot of people say, yeah, I've done that. And I've done, sure. like, think think of a church you've been to. What what do you have to do to be a part of that church? You go to a class, right? Mm-hmm. In some churches, they have the 101, the 201, 301, 401. We've got Welcome to Mountain. We do Milligan at Mountain classes. Sure. And a lot of people equate following Jesus to knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like, the more I know, the more right I am in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And again, that makes it about us. Mm-hmm. When really following Jesus is about knowing, mm-hmm. about knowing Jesus. It's about loving him and realizing he loves you. And along that process, our knowledge will grow. But if our knowledge is just knowledge and it's not action, 
that's where we come up short. The more you know Jesus, the more you should feel motivated. You should feel burdened to. Hmm. You, you should feel like you have no choice but to live out who Jesus was in your life mm-hmm. with your, your friends, your kids, your spouse, the dude of Duncan. Hmm. The dude you know, of Duncan. Yeah. Dude of Duncan. <laughs> so that is, I mean, that a lot of people yeah. will just say, yeah, it's about the heady, you know, spiritual, what do I know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. And if you know Jesus, That's then you're going to grow in knowledge and that knowledge will translate to action. There's a verse. I want to find it. Cool. I read this this week. I'm reading through the book of Galatians right now. And Galatians is all about like, are you trying to, like, what are you doing to get in right standing with God? Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll go into all the details. Probably don't have time mm-hmm. to unpack that. But in Galatians 5, verse 6, what Paul says is, the only thing that counts. Listen to those words. Right? That's, that's a pretty big deal. Like, those mm-hmm. are strong words. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Like that's what you want to follow Jesus. Dang. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself. Not mm-hmm. just faith. A lot of people stop there. I have faith. I get into heaven. Mm-hmm. Good for you. You have faith. Real faith. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through what? Through what I know? No, it's through how well you love. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus showed us. That's what his life was. How well can I love these people? How well can I serve them? Mm-hmm. The creator of the world put on flesh and bone, steps into it, and then says, let me wash your feet. Mm. When a lot of us get hung up with our friend because he talked bad about us on Instagram, we can't even forgive him or her. Jesus saying, let me wash those feet. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it looks like to be sanctified, to want to say, hey, you've offended me. Mm-hmm. Jesus washed the feet of a guy who's about to betray him, and he knows it. Jesus carries with him this thing called omniscience, right, which is the ability mm-hmm. to kind of know everything. And there's lots of debates that Jesus actually, like when he was, when he had on flesh and bones, was he omnipotent? I mean, whatever. This guy's about to betray him. Jesus so much has said so. And now he's washing his feet willingly. Like that's beauty. That, that is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's what it's life, like to say, hey, you know what, you know what counts? is faith expressing itself through love. Mm-hmm. And there's so many examples in this world of people who have washed their enemy's feet mm-hmm. and the life change that follows it, you know? It's crazy. The love your enemy thing is probably a whole different conversation. It's probably mm. one of the more, yeah, radical well, things that Jesus. But is it? So let's yeah. just, let me tell you, I, I wrote a couple things down. Okay. Spiritual maturity. Because mm-hmm. following Jesus means I'm becoming a more mature Christian. Mm-hmm. So what does spiritual maturity look like? And I, I believe that one of the most profound examples of spiritual maturity in somebody's life is their ability to forgive. Like, what does it look like to follow Jesus? It's to forgive people. And you're right. We whole nother podcast. We can spend hours talking about it. There's yeah. lots of verses in the Bible about it. Lots of, when you really get into it and you start to listen to some of the teaching of scripture around forgiveness, it's mm-hmm. like, you don't have a choice, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus uses phrases like, how many times are you supposed to forgive? Do you know how many, Gil? 70? 70 times seven? Like ton, <laughs> yeah. right? And like... You know, I don't know. They didn't have iPhones or calculators. So they would have been doing some math. They would have been like hurting their head. What like, is 70 times 7? Well, hey, Siri, what is 70 times 7? 490. Okay. I should be able to do that quicker, but I wanted to prove After you 491, that. you stop. No, I mean, yeah, his point yeah, is like, yeah. you keep going. You forget yeah. like it's, there's not an end to the forgiveness yeah. you're called to. Yeah. Exactly. And so one of the, the, I think the key examples is like, if you want to say, hey, am I being spiritually formed? Am I a follower of Jesus? Hmm. Then ask yourself. 
is there anybody I need to forgive? Hmm. And you'll know pretty quickly because you'll start to justify it. Like, no, I don't want to, I don't forgive that person. Like, you don't know what they did, right? Hmm. Or, yeah, they're just a bad person. Why would I forgive them? Well, Jesus says, like, that's, he forgave us. Like, if anyone's a bad person, it's the dude sitting right here in this chair. Mm-hmm. And that, again, is that groaning that the Apostle Paul is, like, constantly working out in front of us, allowing mm-hmm. us to see just the turmoil of, man, I don't deserve to be forgiven. Praise be to God mm-hmm. because he's forgiven us, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the key examples of are you a follower of Jesus is am I forgiving? Mm-hmm. Am I forgiving people? And it's hard, but it is, it is beautiful when you can let go. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not just, some people will hear that and they'll think, well, that's not fair. But it's also not fair that Jesus had to take our place on the cross, mm-hmm. you know? And when you realize the love of God, fairness no longer matters. And when you can fully experience what it means to be people who forgive mm-hmm. because you are forgiven, it just sets you free. I was going to say, that's like, it's more, almost more liberating for you yeah, totally. to forgive someone else than like, you're not fixing the other person or what they did, yeah. right? But you're, there's freedom in. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates unity and beauty and relationships and diversity unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world that like people like to be offended, right? Mm-hmm. They're always looking for the chance to be offended and yell at somebody else. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the world we live in. And there's something so liberating and freeing about not having to do that. Because you realize at the end of the day, that person is loved by Jesus. So I will love them and I'll forgive them even if they've offended me. Mm-hmm. So it's like the first, I think, true mark of a disciple is your willingness and ability to forgive. And of mm-hmm. course, there's more to it than that. I mean, it's putting the needs of others before your own. Sure. How can I better serve others? Laying down one's life for one friend, you know, like that is, hey, how can I, how can you see a person? This is the the age old debate. Like, I walk down the street, I see the homeless person. Mm-hmm. They're asking for money. Do I stop? Do I, I? I wrestle with it every single time I see a homeless person. Sure. I find myself with this internal debate of like, do I or don't I? They're just going to spend it on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what my parents told me. But at the same time, what does Jesus tell us? Mm-hmm. We care about the poor. We care about the orphans. We care about the widows. And when I turn a cold shoulder to that homeless guy, like, mm-hmm. what am I doing? Am I living it out? Mm-hmm. And that's that tension we all are going to wrestle with. And sometimes I stop, sometimes I don't. And then I remember, okay, God's grace is sufficient for me. Even mm-hmm. when I feel like maybe I, I didn't listen to the prompting of the spirit mm-hmm. to go and care about that person. And so am I putting the needs of others before my own and not just mm-hmm. the people I like? Mm-hmm. Like even that person sitting there, like, am I, am I really serving others? So forgiveness, a desire to serve, mm-hmm. and then an awareness of how far I have to go. And that's, again, it's the Paul thing. It's like, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. And I realize I just keep coming up short in this life. How much further do I have to go? Well, all right. So I have a question for you. Okay. I know you, like you're the host of this podcast. I guess what? <laughs> now I'm hosting and I'm taking over. <laughs> Deal. Let's talk about discipleship. Let's talk cool. about how much further I have to go. And I think this is key. A mentor of mine asked me a question one time. He said, all right, is the kingdom of God we're going to try to translate it into the ways that we think, okay? Mm-hmm. Is the kingdom of God more like like a bow and arrow shooting at a target? All right, so what do you, what do you call that? Archery? Archery, sure. More like archery. So you got a target, you got a bow and arrow trying to hit the target. Or is it more like the Olympic sport of tossing a javelin, javelin toss? Sure. Do you know what javelin toss is? I, I think so. Okay. You like the take big, a stick with stick an arrow. stick and you throw it, yeah. You throw it as far as you can. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, so is the kingdom of God more like archery or more like javelin toss? Am I supposed to answer? That's a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I hijacked this. I'm taking over. Okay. 
Oh gosh. Ja- javelin? Javelin. What? So right. why? Like work that out a little bit with me. Like why would Well, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to read your mind, but I'm thinking like <laughs> archery is then you're trying to hit a target, right? You're yeah. trying to get something right. Mm-hmm. I assume I'm not that familiar with how javelin tosses work, <laughs> but it's probably based off distance, right? Like you're throwing yeah. it a certain distance. Yeah. It's it's like how far can you go sort of thing rather yeah. than like I'm trying to hit an exact target thing. Exactly. Which seems yeah, it seems yeah. more like the way of Jesus yeah. than with archery, I I can get there. I can achieve it. Uh-huh. I can hit the center of that target perfectly. Uh-huh. And you've seen the movies where like people shoot the arrow and they hit the center of the target and they shoot another one. It splits the arrow. Yeah, it's awesome. It's like super cool. Yeah. But then what do you do after that? Mm-hmm. Like you made it. You did it. That's not mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Like we're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. We are flawed. We are imperfect. We can always be more like Jesus. And we realize that. And so it's more like javelin toss because you can always outdo yourself. Mm-hmm. You throw it. That was a pretty good throw. Well, I, I can do better. And I did. Well, that was a pretty good throw. I can do better. You can always outdo yourself. You can get stronger the more that you you practice, mm-hmm. the more that you lift, right? The more mm-hmm. that you take care of your body and you eat right. I'm in the illustration of javelin here, okay? Sure. The more you refine the muscle yeah. and the, the form, the further you can go. Mm-hmm. The same is true in our spiritual life. Like we, example of a mature follower of Jesus, someone who's willing to forgive, mm-hmm someone who wants to serve people and someone who realizes they still have, they still have a ways to go. Mm-hmm. I've not yet gotten there. Mm-hmm. I can outdo myself. The more that I strengthen my spiritual muscle, the more I, I read about Jesus and study Jesus, the more I realize my whole life is just one big prayer and I'm communal with God. And mm-hmm. the more that I live in step with God's church and other people who are helping to push me to look like him, the more I can outdo myself in love. Mm-hmm. Because after all, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And we can always outdo ourselves. We'll never get there. Mm -hmm. Thus, we need the grace of Jesus. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. I I think about even so many people who are later on in their faith journey around mountain, especially who are much older than I am. And they're, they're not the kind of people who would like try and convince you that they've got it all figured out Mm -hmm. too. It's like the further you get on the journey, it's like Mm -hmm. the more humility, the more Mm -hmm. like wonder you have rather than I've got it all figured out, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. I think there's so many examples of that, even in our own community. There is, there's a ton. And one of the, I guess, key things that, that shows you it's of Jesus is it's, they're not showing it off mm-hmm. because they're not doing it for our attention. Mm-hmm. They're doing it because it's instincts. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't show off that I know how to walk down the sidewalk, but if I can run a six minute mile, I might show it off. Might, I'm up, take a screenshot of that Strava and put it on the gram for everyone sure. to see, you know, <laughs> not on TikTok yet. Not that cool. But you're on Strava. I'm on Strava. <laughs> Don't make fun of Strava. Not, I think it's, it's legit. cool. <laughs> King of the mountain on Strava. Okay. <laughs> but like, I don't show off that I've just learned how to walk. It's yeah. instincts. Like it's good. I should know how to walk. Right. The same thing. I think when you become a follower of Jesus and you're, you're a more mature follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. you don't show it off. Cause it's like walking. Yeah. You've been trained over a long just natural. time. This is what I do. I express my faith through love and for caring for people. And then when the devil, spiritual opposition, this world tries to get me down and realize, I realize I'm not good enough or I screw up or whatever, I rest in the fact and remember that I have peace because Jesus is taking care of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm justified through Jesus. Yeah. That's good. All right. So let me shift gears here for a second. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people who would say, all right, this sounds great and all. But right now I'm living a completely different kind of life. The way I treat people is different. Maybe I've got issues with like 
addiction, it's drugs or alcohol or, you know, my sexual life or, or whatever. My, my life right now does not match up to that kind of life. For those people, I want to ask, like, what do I, if I even want to start a journey with Jesus or whatever, like, are there parts of my life that I need to clean up? There's parts of my life maybe that I need to get right to even start the journey? Mm-hmm. That wasn't a mm-hmm agreeing that you have to clean up your life. That was a me <laughs> yep. thinking. <laughs> yep. No, like, that's the, all throughout the New Testament, people turn to Jesus, and they're very quickly baptized. It's like, let's find water deep enough to dunk them in. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing because oftentimes people will think like, hey, I am going to get baptized once I've worked out some of my sin. You know, like I've got some stuff. I'm um, living in sexual sin or, you know, I'm I'm just so depraved in some way in my own mind, Mm -hmm. like some narrative I'm telling myself that Jesus isn't ready for me. And the reality is that what we see in scripture is when someone experiences the goodness of Jesus, they turn towards him. And they're baptized. We see it through the book of Acts over and over again. Like the disciples preach, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Mm -hmm. The best possible life is a life lived with Jesus and for Jesus. And people get baptized. Mm -hmm. And that is a moment of a fresh beginning, Mm -hmm. right? That's not the destination. And that is something I see often, I hear often. Well, I shouldn't get baptized yet. I'm pretty bad. Like, well, you might be pretty bad. But that's not the goal of baptism, to get the bad out of you. Yeah. It's to start a new journey. Yeah. Right? And, and baptism is this beautiful symbol of you accepting Jesus. What does Jesus say? He says, you know, what does the scripture say? If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Mm. That salvation starts to work itself out now. You don't wait for that until mm. you've gotten yourself together. It's when you realize that the best possible life is one lived with Jesus. Because the best possible life is one where you walk around not with shame. Okay. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I just read a book, so I'm going to define shame a little bit. Sure. Here. Shame is that feeling of I'm not good enough or I can't. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, it's this constant burden of, yeah, I'm living in sin. I feel it and there's nothing I can do to overcome it. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you step in a relationship with Jesus, your past life, all of that, Jesus takes you just as you are, just as if you've never sinned. Mm. That's that point of justification. Mm -hmm. And you realize you carry with you this peace. Jesus says, I I give you the Holy Spirit. My peace, I leave you. Right? Like I give that to Mm -hmm. you. You get to experience it. When you know the love of Jesus, you realize all of the past sin I've lived with, like it is taken care of, past, present, and future when I walk with Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's a difference, though, between shame and guilt. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guilt is like a GPS. You know, you feel that difference? Sure. So this is John Mark Comer. What was the name of the book? I'm trying to remember. But he, he phrased it like this. When you walk with Jesus, shame is gone. Mm-hmm. And we so often confuse shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. Guilt is like what pain is to the body. Hey, I stubbed my toe. I should have it checked out to see if it's broken. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's going to be broken forever. It's like, no, I got I to gotta give attention to this thing. It hurts. And do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so guilt is like that. So it, do I have to clean myself up? No. The beauty is when you step into a relationship with Jesus, the shame is gone. Mm-hmm. Like forget clean yourself. He's going to clean you up. And yeah, there might be this, now that starts this ongoing journey of discipleship. What does it mean to walk with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And through that, there might be these moments of guilt that are like course correction. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a little bit of pain there. I'm not supposed to do that. I feel the guilt. Mm-hmm. So let me, what would Jesus call me to? So you course correct to say, let me be more like Jesus in this aspect of my life. 
And I gave my life to Christ when I was eighth grade. Okay. We, prior to going to church, we were Christers, so Christmas, Easter only. Sure. We started going to church when I was in fifth grade. I got to watch my parents accept Jesus when they were in their, I guess, 30s, my, my brothers as well. And then I followed them eventually. And so I've been a Christian for a bunch of years. And I still feel guilt. Mm-hmm. You know, like today I woke up and I read my Bible. Well, I didn't read my Bible yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's okay. The point of yeah. being a Christ follower is not to read my Bible. Now, because I'm a Christ follower, I want to read my Bible. Mm-hmm. And the guilt is like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I should have, I should have taken time yesterday to read or like, that's a really Christian example, right? Sure. The other side of guilt is, I mean, what, what would you say? Like, okay, yeah, a friend of mine is new to the faith and he went out and he, he drank way too much. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he's like, dude, I feel so bad. Like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve to be a Christian. I, I, I accepted Jesus and I went out and did this. Yeah. Okay, that's guilt. You shouldn't feel shame. Right. Let the shame go. Uh-huh. Like guilt is just pushing you closer to Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so do you have to clean yourself up? No. Mm-hmm. The process of cleaning yourself up is one you will work on until the day you die. Yeah. And then one day, like, you're, you're in glory, and you're completely cleaned up mm-hmm. in front of Jesus, experiencing the beauty of God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's the beauty of it. The shame is gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. One thing, yeah, I love what you just said because I think one thing that happens often is I see people, like you said, I've got friends the same way. It's like we get, maybe we get baptized. We feel like, sometimes people feel like they need to make a list of things that they need to turn away from and then they can get baptized and enter into and sort of denounce all those things and never turn back. And I think that the temptation is often you'll have people, maybe they, they get baptized, they say yes to it and then right away, right, they're like drawn back into feeling a tendency to, to go back into those old habits or, or do some of those things. And then there's some discouragement and maybe some shame that comes with that. That's maybe not from Jesus, but there is a little bit of shame and discouragement. What would you say to someone who desires that kind of life change that accompanies baptism and repentance and all the things you just named desires the life change? Maybe they've publicly declared it already. They can't seem to maybe match up their, their habits and their lifestyle with Jesus yet? What advice would you give to someone who's in that place? Mm-hmm. I would, I would start to ask some questions about like, it's just like anything. It's the word discipline is one that we don't like a lot. When we're mm-hmm. talking about faith. The reality is there's, there's spiritual disciplines and discipline breeds discipline. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. If you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to eat well. If you want to get stronger, you have to have the discipline to, to get enough sleep. Right. The same thing is true of our walk with Jesus. If we want mm-hmm. to really follow Jesus, then we have to find the right disciplines in our life mm-hmm. that say, hey, how, how can I start to really live like this? How can I put some of that old stuff behind mm-hmm. me? Those disciplines for us, we call them the mountain walk. Right. It's to love God, love people, serve the world. And when you, when you drill down, love God is making it a priority to worship at, together. Like I went to church yesterday. I'd say it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. I mean, one point, like the band dropped out and I just heard the voice of God's people just fill in the room and it like, mm-hmm. it just filled me up, right? There's Powerful, something about yeah. worshiping together, not just on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Like we say worship together oftentimes. We think, yeah, the thing I go to on Sunday at the church, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's good and right. But worship looks like community with each other. So love God means mm-hmm. worship together and then abide alone. And abide alone means I have a cadence in my life of connectedness to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have the discipline to read my Bible. The goal of Christianity is not to read my Bible. 
but the goal of Christianity is look like Jesus. Where do we learn about Jesus? Mm. It's in the Bible. Mm. The illustration I use all the time is my marriage, right? If I want my marriage to be successful, I'm going to learn my wife. I'm going to spend time with my wife. Mm. I'm going to love my wife. And I'm going to love my wife even when I don't want to. Uh, and there's times when it's like, no, I just want to do my thing, but she needs me, right? She, mm. she needs to know that I love her. The same is true in our walk. Like love God, worship together, and then have discipline in your life where you are uh, engaging with Jesus mm -hmm. through prayer and reading of scripture and reading some other good books and having just this connectedness to the spirit, that this presence, this awareness that the Lord is with you, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit's with you. So it's love God, love people would be this desire to be in good community. And I guess you said like, you know, I give my life to Jesus. Now I want to clean it up. What does that mean? Well, it does, it does mean changing some things in your life. Like the who, who do you interact with? Mm -hmm. If uh, bad company corrupts good character, mm -hmm. right? Book of Proverbs. If we give ourselves only to people who, the, the people who we walked with before we knew Jesus, well, we're, we're going to slide into their way of living. Yeah. We got to start to surround ourselves with people who know and want to walk with Jesus and know us and want us to walk with Jesus. And they're going to encourage us. That not only takes discipline, it also takes humility. Sure. Because now you're allowing people into your life. Yeah. You're exposing like the dark underbelly. It seems of like that's kind of the hard part, right? It's like, oh, yeah. 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 I don't want to tell you about my sin. Right. I don't want to tell you what I'm struggling with. Yeah. I don't want you to call me out when I come up short. Yeah. And what we often do is because that's so difficult, people call us out. We're like, you're a sinner too. Shut up. Like, mind your own business. <laughs> when reality is like, that's good. We yeah. carry each other's burdens. Uh -huh. That's beautiful. It's right. And it's what God calls us to. And it makes us better. I have, so I've been a Christian for a while. I've been at Mountain for 11 years. Mm. And I think this community does a really good job of the, I love you enough to help you grow, mm -hmm. even if that means hard conversations. And I'll tell you in 11 years, I grew more as a Christ follower mm. than I did in the previous 20. Mm. And that's because I'm surrounded by people who care about me enough mm. to risk, you know, putting themselves out there to care about me, yeah. to call me on my stuff. Sure. And I love that. Like now I welcome it. I'm like, yes, please tell me how badly I suck so that I can get better, you yeah. know? And that's, yeah, yeah. that's a different place to be than yeah. I ever have been. So love God, love people means we have those people around us and we're also that to other people. So we're, we have that community. So love God means we're going to worship. We're going to abide. Love people means, what are the two things? Reach out. Hold on is what you just Hold named. Hold on is what Hold I was on. just talking about. Okay. Reach and out. the other one is we're yeah. going to reach out, which means we're going to be people who have influence and community beyond the mm -hmm. community of the church so that we can have connected us to people who don't know Jesus. So it's not always like, I, I'm following Jesus now. I need to cut everyone out of my life. No. Now you might yeah. need to cut someone out of mm -hmm. your life who keeps dragging you the other way until it's just like anything, right? The more mature you are, the more you kind of have created your own backbone in Christ, the less mm -hmm. people are going to be able to pull you out of it. Of course, you, you've got to know where your limitations are. There might be people that you need to take a hiatus from in your life because you know they're going to pull you away from Jesus. Sure. And then as, you're, as you strengthen your spiritual muscle and you realize, oh, I can stand on my, my, my own here when I'm with that person, then you invite them back in. My wife and I, we've gotten very, very excited and have given a lot of attention to finding a community of people who are kind of reach out community. Yeah. And so there are two different venues right now that we've made a priority in our lives where there are very few Christians. And it's so that we can start to build influence. We're not going in there preaching. Right. 
We're just going in there and having fun with those people and loving them and encouraging them. And one of them the other day, this is really fun. This is a win for reach out. Sure. One of them the other day came up to my wife and said, I was just kind of listening. She's a better missionary than I am. Sure. People like her more than me, yeah. to be honest. She's just really friendly. <laughs> She's like, hey, you're a Christian? My wife's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. She's like, that's weird. Why is that weird? I usually don't like Christians and I like you. <laughs> oh, well, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I like you too, right? And that's like, that's a yeah. huge win for us because we're building equity mm-hmm. and people are seeing who Jesus really is because obviously that person's been hurt by the church or someone who represented Christ. Yeah. And so that reach out is really important that you do have community outside of the Christ-centered community that you're, you're reaching out to. Because mm-hmm. our, our goal is what? Not to go sit in a circle and sing Kumbaya. Right. Just love each other to love the world. Yeah. To go out and make disciples of the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Like mm-hmm. we are missionaries. Mm-hmm. So go be missionaries. Mm-hmm. Love God, love people, and then serve the world. It's one of the ways that we, mm-hmm. uh, we live out what it means to be a missionary. We go out and we serve people. So love God, worship together, abide alone, love people, hold on, reach out, and then serve the world, which is get going and give generously. Mm-hmm. So get going. I mean, it's just like put your, put your butt into action. Mm-hmm. If you are really following Jesus, then that leads you to live like Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He went around and he served people. Mm-hmm. And he gave of himself generously. And, you know, all the different aspects of that. It's the way that we serve our family, our friends, the people we don't know. It's the way that we're generous with, yeah, our time. Like, what do we, like, the most precious resource we have is not money. Mm-hmm. It is time. Mm-hmm. So how do we give of our time? And to give up of that means a lot. Uh, and so I, I have probably gotten to the place where I am more willing to give my time if it means going and caring about somebody mm-hmm. than doing something fun. Now, if it's something I think is really, really sure. fun, great, I'm going to do it. Somebody asked me to play golf Friday. I'm still thinking about it. I like golf. It's fine. But I also have some stuff I really want to get done. But I think what Christ compels me to do is somebody called me on Friday and said, hey, I really need help. It was a chance to serve. The obligation in me would maybe go a little bit begrudgingly because I have some stuff I want to get done, sure. but I would still go. Yeah. I want to say, I will find out. Don't call me. Yeah. You're going to call me now and ask me to help you with something on Friday, yeah. aren't you? Well, I can <laughs> see it in your eyes, Gil. <laughs> I'm making my list of things that I, want, <laughs> that I need from yeah, you right I, now. But I think I would feel compelled because what did Christ do for me? Serve me. Yeah. And so I'm going to go, what do you need? I'll be there. You know, whatever it is. As a pastor. So, and it, like, th- this yeah. is the thing. A lot of people think, well, that's so nice. I'll never be the type of person who's like, yeah, I just want to go serve people. As a pastor, we get calls all the time of people who, who sure. need help. They, they need something. I just want to pray with them. Mm-hmm. And I would be lying to you if I told you on a Friday at five when I have sure, dinner yeah. plans with my wife and someone calls me and says, this thing is happening in my life. And it's a major thing that, and they need me that I don't roll my eyes for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I want to go on a date with my wife. But then Christ compels me to lay mm-hmm. down my preferences, to take up my cross and follow him. Mm-hmm. And I'm always glad I did. Mm-hmm. I always want to. I'm always glad I did. Mm -hmm. And that's like another, when we talk about what does it mean to be a disciple, another, I think, key indicator of someone who's a disciple is the one who does what Christ compels them to do even when they don't want to. Yeah. Part of the discipline thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, how do we work it out? We want to give our lives to Christ. Now is what we like to live it. It, I mean, it's the mountain walk. Love God, love people, serve the world. It takes discipline. It takes work. Mm -hmm. It takes a change in our lives and what our priorities are and what we're giving ourselves to. But I think I would say, I venture to say, I know that the life I've experienced following Jesus 
is way better mm. than anything else that I could possibly imagine mm. because I don't carry the shame. Even when the world kind of comes crashing down around me, I have peace mm -hmm. because Christ is at the center of it. I realize that I will always come up short, but I will continue to try mm -hmm. to be the best I can for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to clean your life up. Just try it. Uh, ben will sometimes say it this way. Somebody famous said it one time. I think it might have been C.S. Lewis. Like, what do, you have, what do you have to lose? Like, give Jesus a shot yeah. and just see. I mean, worst case scenario, what do you have to lose? Well, you don't spend eternity with him and the, the alternative is not great. Sure. Best case scenario, like you've experienced the greatest thing ever. And that's the love of Christ mm -hmm. that lasts forever. Mm -hmm. So give a shot. What do you got to lose? Mm. That's good. That's, that's C.S. Lewis, right? That was, maybe. <laughs> that was my translation of it. Yeah. He would have said it much better. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jared, thank you. I think that's a, that's a really good place to maybe land the plane with our pilot over here. Mm. I think for all of us, no matter where we are on the journey, and if you're just beginning a journey with Jesus, you're trying to figure it out, or you've been walking for a long time, I think this was a, this is a really fruitful and good conversation and helpful for a lot of us. So appreciate you taking the time. Glad to do it. I think one thing I'll say, it's important. If you're walking with Jesus, you got to find a church community mm -hmm. that's going to love you where you are. Mm -hmm. And you know quickly if they do, mm -hmm. right? You'll know. And they'll help you on that journey. And it'll be beautiful. It'll be good. It'll be hard. But it'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. I like that. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for having me, Gil. What a great conversation with Jared. You know, this podcast is called The Walk, and it's just a recognition that following Jesus is a walk. It's a journey. It's a way of life. I love the way Jared laid that out for us in such a practical way. Jared is a good friend and a mentor of mine who I can honestly say exemplifies a life well-lived for Jesus. No matter where you are on that walk, I hope this conversation was a good starting place for you as you discern what's next. This podcast is a resource of Mountain Christian Church, and our door is always open as you continue exploring your faith. So feel free to reach out and connect anytime. The best way for you to do that is through the email in the show notes. We're, we're not just a podcast. We're a community of people who are here to help you grow. So if you're asking the question, what's next? Check out the show notes for resources to help you take your next step. Thanks again for joining in and we will see you next time.